Hi, this is the Tempter Podcast, where we discuss embedded Linux, IoT development, and anything else we might find interesting. Your hosts today are Kim Raj and Cliff Braid. Hi, Kim. How are you doing? Hey, Cliff. I'm doing great. Thank Good. you. Good. Great. So today we want to talk about living on main. So what does that mean, Kim? Yes, so living on main is, is very interesting, and especially from the philosophy we have been following for your distro for quite a while now. And um, it can mean many things. Um, you know, it is um, basically, you know, it can be building from main branch, uh, which means that, you know, you are consuming something directly uh, from the trunk of a project. And um, uh, it could also mean that you are using, you know, the latest release of a project, you know, so basically um, you're not forking the project at that release and then doing, you know, bug fixes or things of that nature, but rather you're basically going from release to release to release. And, um, um, and there's another term for, you know, this called rolling release, you know, where uh, you can kind of correlate that to moving from latest release of a component to newer one. So a rolling release model. And I see it like, you know, I compare it to, uh, that's how nature works, right? So nature doesn't do it where, you know, say, okay, I'm done with the earth. Let me reset it, install a new earth, right? So it mm -hmm. basically uh, nature every year uh, basically incrementally does and keeps moving, keeps going. So um you know i see it in that same 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 way sure yeah so so the living on main the main we get that name from the git main branch which is where the right where the newest development is always done so we can maybe summarize this by saying this philosophy is basically using the the latest or newest of something in a project yes uh software is what we're talking about so okay mm -hmm. So how, how does this differ from the way things have, have traditionally been done? Yeah, so I think traditionally you have, um, you know, time-based release model where, you know, you basically um, do take certain components, test them together, and then you make them work. And, you know, there is all kind of testing you do, you know, um, um, to do like unit testing, integration testing, and all that on nature. And then once you kind of um, do all that, you know, length and breadth of testing, then you're done. And you call that as your stable release. And then um, in order to do that, basically you test it against known versions of, you know, other dependencies or components. And, um, then in order for you to get your component to work, you do selective backporting, you know, so essentially, because remember the main branches are always moving ahead, you know, so if somebody finds a bug that exists in the previous release, which you are using, and you might need that fix. So what do you do? You basically don't take the next release, rather you take that one particular fix and bring it back to that branch. Um, and then you do that for several of your components. You know, it could be one, it could be none in best case, but it could be many, right? And usually it's somewhere in between. Um, 
And then once you have like, you know, locked down the versions, made them work together with some selective patching, um, you call that stable release. And then um, thereafter, you selectively backport fixes again for, you know, the life of that project. Uh, you bring in maybe some hot fix or some security fix uh, and things of that nature. Sure. So it's basically a a kind of a, a very conservative uh, risk averse strategy. And mm-hmm. we, we typically see this in the in, in like enterprise stacks, uh, l- large large systems where maybe mission critical. Mm-hmm. And, and some examples of this might be, like Red Hat Linux, they they serve enterprise markets, so for, yeah. for them, the uh, time-based releases is important. Yeah, um, we've been doing a little bit of Zephyr work lately, so comparing that mm-hmm. to tr- traditional microcontroller tools, yeah, the traditional tools from the vendors are very time-based released. You don't mm-hmm. have a lot of visibility into what happens between from one release to to another release. They just kind of throw it over the wall, and then you run with that for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think the operating systems of the year were mm-hmm. also doing similar release models. So yeah, like Windows and mm-hmm. right. Okay. So what are some of the advantages of of living on main? Yeah, so I think um, you know if you look at this this shift left uh, philosophy that I personally believe in as well. So you know as you you want to find the issues and fix them early in your, you know, in your uh, code flight or your life of your product or, you know. So uh, early it is, the cheaper it is. Right? Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to fix the problems as they happen because you notice them relatively quickly, which means that, you know, they haven't yet been buried, buried down, uh, you know, in other details. So um you know fixing them is relatively quicker and that can save you quite a bit of time you know because um what happens is there are two things to it one is that you are in the context right so you 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 developed it or did some work on it so it's still in the context for you and you know it's easy for you to to really work on it and fix it rather than you coming down six months later when you might have even forgotten about this. So it'll take you some time to ramp up, you know, get to the point and reproduce the same problem. Um, You know, it will be a little slower before, you know, it's like, you know, contact switching, right? Um, You pay the price. And um, so it can basically reduce your cost uh, of uh, fixing them, right? And the one other aspect I really like about it is you don't really accrue any technical debt. You, you know, you'll find in any work you do, any project you do, any organization, any company you go to, they, they all talk about technical debt. And, you know, how do you accrue technical debt, right? So that is the big question. This is how you accrue the technical debt, right? Because um, you basically... Uh, stopped something at certain point and everything else around it same things are moving ahead right so you know with time you are building that technical debt indirectly mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's all about staying nimble and fast 
And mm-hmm. if you uh, if you accrue technical debt pretty soon, you get to the point where all you do is service that debt. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like financial debt. So you yeah. have to try to avoid that scenario. And, yeah. th- and we feel this is one of the ways you can do that. Mm-hmm. The other comparison I like to make is, is to manufacturing. If you have an assembly line or cell-based manufacturing or whatever you do, and there's a problem that gets introduced into that process, mm-hmm. and, and you can find it quickly, it's much cheaper to fix then than it is when there's 2,000 cars out yeah. on the lot that, or even out in customers' hands that need to be recalled. Mm-hmm. So it, it's the same with software, maybe not to the same degree, but yeah. you know, to get somebody's attention when they've moved on to something else is is much harder than when they're actively working on the yeah the version that you're actually using. So yeah, and I mean, you, you should also look at because they are also you know if you are dependent on other teams, you know, they are also having their cycles of development. So it's also disruptive at certain point you know, for you or for the team to give you a specific timeline to fix the, your problem. And they will be conservatively giving you a longer timeline because, you know, obviously they have to like switch from whatever they're doing back to servicing your needs. Mm-hmm. Um, and and what happens is always remember, it's not linear, right? As good time goes by, it is exponential. So the technique mm-hmm. that you're accruing is actually um, getting bigger and bigger and bigger by day. So you're charged interest on your technical debt, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, compound interest. Compounding interest, yeah. So Okay. Whereas if you invest in processes that go the other way, those also compound. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it makes you, your, your development accelerates, so... It can mm-hmm. go the other way as well. Yeah. So what are some examples of of projects that or or software that that's works out well to, to apply this philosophy? Yeah. So I think, you know, um, you, you know, speaking of from history, you know, um, Gen 2 Linux distribution, right? They were source-based distribution. Um, so that was kind of a rolling release model. You know, they basically would build the release um, of the day, right? Um, so, um, but then I think there has been like Arch Linux, um, you know, which is my distribution of choice when it comes to using Linux, uh, which is basically a binary distro. But you know, they basically are doing exactly this, which we just talked about, where whenever there is a new release. You know, they come, uh, take that release of that particular component and integrate that into latest Arch. And then as, you know, all the tests, everything pass, they push the feed. Um, And, you know, it's available to you as soon as they're pushed, right? So, and they also have um, various ways to kind of, you know, make it easy for you to consume that. Um, Like, you know, they have testing feeds and testing feeds are, you know, if you're like, interested in living on the edge, um, you can use that or you can wait for it to appear in the main feed, which might be like a week later or something, and it'll be pretty stable. Um, so, um, and I think your distro, you know, uh, we basically maintain it, use it. Um, it follows a similar philosophy. We are basically using a composite of 
the Octo project layers, and we always um, stay on you know the main branches of the layers we use. And then layers are providing you know the latest versions of the components that they provide. So you know what we do in Yo is very similar to the two things that we mentioned earlier, where you know the, what are the different ways of living on main. Uh, is that we basically on the main of certain repositories, and then there are like the latest releases of the components those layers are providing. So it's a combination of those. Um, and um, and Gitia, I guess I think uh, you know you, you are very familiar with Gitia because you know we host that for the back Git uh, services. Um, so what are some of your favorite projects in there? Yeah, yeah, Gitia is is great. It's a Git uh, hosting platform, very similar to GitHub or GitLab. Mm -hmm. And I, I've been hosting my own instance for for a number of years, mm -hmm. and Every time a new release comes out, I immediately update and I don't even think about it. So my update process does back up the database. So if something goes wrong, I can easily roll back. Mm. But I, I've never had to do that. I've been through dozens and dozens of updates and it just, mm. just keeps working. Mm. The other project we've been using is, is Zephyr for M's, for microcontroller development. It's, it's an RTOS. Mm -hmm. And... In our development, we simply track the the main branch of the of the main Zephyr repo, and every week we pull in the latest main branch. Uh, sometimes we have to tweak a few things, but it's it's usually a a very quick process. Mm -hmm. It's been a great experience, and I think one thing these two projects have is good testing. So, Zephyr has extensive testing. And I've never looked into it, but Gitia must as well mm -hmm. to maintain the level of quality that they do. Right. So I, I feel like the, the philosophy of testing has changed from the traditional software where you have a QA department that does a bunch of manual tests. It's a big deal to more of a CI driven process where you check your code in, everything runs automatically. You get a green mm -hmm. light, boom, you release it, you know, and you basically yeah. remove that manual testing step, which which was the traditional way that you try to bring quality into software. Right. Yeah. And yeah, I think um, you know one of the examples um, how it really you know, makes you effective. You know, I could cite one recent example in Yo Distro development where you know we had basically um, updated the uh, the freescale layer. To the, their latest uh, BSP, and um, and then you know our our builds nightly builds basically caught that we couldn't start the uh, Western UI, and you know mm -hmm. so um, Western wouldn't start right. So essentially, that's the nature of the problem. But then the corpus for you to look at in last twenty four hours is very small. And mm -hmm. you could easily pinpoint the problem, you know, within five minutes. Um, so I think we'll provide this link in the uh, show notes, but uh, you can go through. Uh, we basically reported the problem. Um, and, um, you know, the developer was already tuned in, as we talked about. So the fix was provided within a day. And, you know, the next nightly, we had it fixed. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
So what are, what are some objections to, or, or common perceived problems with living on Maine? I think there are valid concerns and those are about, you know, the dependencies aren't well understood. Mm -hmm. And I'm not here talking about build time dependencies, but there are runtime dependencies like API contracts, you know, servicing, uh, you know, layers above or below. And I think um, the, the real reason is that you don't want to um, provide something that is tested um, just within itself, but you want to kind of enhance a little bit of testing around, you know, the APIs and how it interacts with the rest of the system. And I think that is what brings in a lot of, um, you know, uh, disbelief, so to speak, if I were to say that, into this kind of uh, model, because uh, people are scared of uh, putting in something and then, you know, saying that, hey, you know, it may destabilize the whole system, which is true mm -hmm. uh, assertion. However, if you look at the process, so I think process is the most important aspect of it. And you basically have to have, you know, if you have a good CI, for example, um, and then you write good amount of tests, not only to test your unit, um, which you did, but also do some level of, you know, mocking or that sort of testing, which you can get some idea of how the APIs are behaving, for example, uh, and make them automated. So you can basically run them, you know, whenever you push a change, all your APIs are tested, for example, right? Then you can be very confident of saying that, hey, by the way, you know, this release uh, is backward compatible with all my APIs and the new APIs are new, right? So, you know, you can be very confident of pushing that change out. And I think, you know, Linux has been always a prime target for such a method because everything is very componentized in Linux, right? So um, if you look at it, it's every component like bash, shell, you know, everything is a separate component. So, you know, you can do this very effectively in a Linux-based system. Sure. Um, but I think to my mind, the the tooling, I mean, the testing, for example, the view of CI, um, you know, the infrastructure for that is, is very critical. And you'll spend some time servicing those needs because, you know, CI systems will go down or will need some updates or, you know, all that will come in. But I think that's just part of the game. Sure. Yeah, and I appreciate the thought that you have to do more than unit tests. You have to have... Mm -hmm what I call integration tests or, yeah. or system tests. Yeah. And the neat thing is that those are pretty easy to spin up now with Docker. Mm, true. And like, if you look at the Nats project in their testing, mm -hmm. you know, they spin up a NAT server in every test, you know, you can do that. You can spin up a database in every test. Mm. So, yes. you know, as we tend towards more lightweight, um, building blocks, you know, it's getting easier and easier to do mm -hmm. uh, full stack testing uh, very yeah. quickly and efficiently. So, right. And I think the other aspect of it is also important, which is more like a mindset. And, you know, you have to participate, right? So you have to have that mindset 
where you are a participant in in what you're consuming not just a consumer mindset so if you have that change of thought and then you are in and you are in for big benefits of it as well so a lot of times you know people say that hey you know i know nothing about this how can i be a participant i i am a consumer but that's not true because i always say that you know uh, code is code contribution is the last thing that you do to a project right there are many ways you participate in a project and um, it could just be you know um, i just say that you are on github and you know somebody has opened an issue which you are experiencing too you just say plus one you know which basically you know tells the developer saying that hey this issue is hitting many people so you know it may be prioritized for example there you go you have participated in the project you know so uh, you could basically maybe you know document your use case right and you can just say hey you know this was the problem and you can just describe the problem on their channels be it mailing list or you know github issue gitlab what whatever the community uses you have participated so there are many different ways right you could spread the word if a new release came out you know you can send a tweet or you can send um a linkedin post or something like that you have participated so there are so many different ways to to participate in the in that project and what it does is it kind of like also gives you that confidence of knowing you know what the project has released you are uh, way more confident of consuming it in that way yeah i think that's it's kind of a little bit of a tangent but you know as a consumer of of open source software for building project products it's a good idea to have some sense for how how these products are developed who's mm-hmm. behind them are they doing okay is it sustainable mm-hmm. you know cuz and, and the best way you can get a sense for this is being a participant in the project and then you also learn very valuable things about how to use the project mm-hmm. and if you structure your development Right. It doesn't have to be a lot of effort. You know, if you set up good build systems, you can mm-hmm. pull in the latest stuff, give it a try. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. Mm-hmm. And and then once you're ready to update for your release, then, you know, you're, you're all set to go. It's not a big, yeah. big bu- bucket of work that needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of open source projects I know, they are always, um, you know, more testing is always good right yes. so if you go and pull their latest um, head you know on the trunk and then give it a shot give it you know just compile it and then try to do try to use it maybe you're not just kind of using it in a production scenario yet but just give it a shot on the sideline and report back saying that hey you know it broke or whatever right and that's also participation as we were talking a few minutes ago but it's also basically helping the project as to your point that, um, you know, they're getting timely feedback on, you know, the, the, the project that, that they really need. Um, otherwise, you know, that would basically be coming in through some other channels and, um, you might have to wait until that, you know, or, so you are basically then at the behest of someone else reporting it, someone else finding it for you. But in this case, you know, you are a participant. Yeah. 
So, so a great way to try this philosophy is to use Arch Linux. Mm, and yeah. a lot of people say, I, say I, I tell people I run Arch Linux and they like raise their eyebrows and they, mm. they, you know, I've even gotten comments about like things breaking all the time and, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, people, a lot of people are very dubious about Arch Linux, but you know, we've, we've been running it for years. It works great. Very few problems. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the benefits way outstrip any negatives or, or problems. So, you know, give it a try. It's a great yeah. way to, to, to live out this philosophy. Mm-hmm. If you're an application developer and you develop on Arch, you'll have a continual feed of the latest stuff automatically coming in to your yeah. distro. So if you want to practice the living on main philosophy in application mm-hmm. development, then Arch Linux is a good platform to, yeah. to do this. And you can also have your, you know, your stable production build, you know, set up with Docker components, you know, to lock yeah. things down. But mm-hmm. um, True. Yeah. I think, you know, I've been using Arch as well for many, many years. You know, my install has been running since 2016 or something. And yeah. I'm even like, you know, a little embarrassed to tell people, but yeah, <laughs> that's how old my machine is, one of the ones. And yeah, uh, but I've been updating it uh, ever since, you know, and um, um, I've had a few issues that were self-induced. Um, I've, you know, the recent problem I had was, you know, um, I, my NVIDIA driver went out of sync because, you know, they had NVIDIA utils and then NVIDIA driver and then um, you know for a moment they were kind of you know out of sync so i said oh you know i can't update because of you know this whatever i you know uninstall nvidia driver and um, um, i didn't reboot anything i went back um, you know a, a day later and i reinstalled nvidia driver things were fixed yeah right? so this was <laughs> me being so impatient but generally you know a uh, few hours you know you know you, if you're looking for like a week worth of you know update you will never see these kind of issues right I mean, there is a chance of you getting in the middle of it sometime but it happens very very rarely yeah and i i would say the problems i hear about from my associates running ubuntu they they run into at least as many problems as i do so you, you know yeah. I, I don't feel like it's yeah yeah um, i think it's it's really good and i think if you are working on something like you know embedded systems try your distro sure uh, yeah absolutely and yeah, that you... also we follow the uh, the same methodology so mm-hmm. so that that's our thoughts on living on main if you have any feedback please please let us know. You can email us or reach out to us on the Tempter community discourse site or any of the other ways. Feel free to let us know what you think. Until next time. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye.